Coming up, it needs to know. The White House is offering a little relief for those student loans, and we're doing our best to break it down. In the year of our Lord 2022, we're still spanking kids in school, and no, it's not just happening in Missouri. And in Gotta Do, we announce our September Warden Webster Beauty Shop Book Club book. Get ready to read with us. The podcast that encourages you to know, feel, and do to live your best life. This is, as always, Warden Webster. I don't know. <laughs> Hello, Bianca. <laughs> Isaiah. <laughs> so we never really did that bloopers episode that I've been we talking about to. for a year and a half. But y'all, it just took her like 10 tries to do that 30 second opening. And be on the lookout. I might do a whole little surprise episode with that blooper reel because it was a mess. <laughs> How you and doing? Mind you, mind you, it's not even 30 seconds worth of reading. And I was struggling. Um, it's the letter A, Isaiah. How are you feeling today? Today's episode of Warden Webster is brought to you by the letter A, which stands for archetypes. And so what you got to do is listen to the podcast called Archetypes, which is done by Megan, the Duchess of Sussex. Her first guest was Serena Williams. And so that's what you got to do this week. A, Archetypes, the podcast, Megan and Serena do that. Now, let me tell you what I'm going to do differently with the alphabet that Bianca didn't do. So Why does it have to, to be what Bianca didn't do? You're interrupting. <laughs> so if you're new to the show, we go through the alphabet and each week, if the letter is 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 what it is and so she went through the entire alphabet giving y'all foolishness and fuckery and so what i'm going to do is when i do the alphabet i'm actually going to give you something useful that you can use with each letter and today a archetypes go listen to that so bianca you see what i'm doing i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little gotta do in there <laughs> first of all isn't it archetypes no it's archetypes. She, she pronounced it archetypes it's a play on Archie. I know. I think she has a son called Archie, if I'm not she mistaken. She does. She does. She does. But when um, when the podcast came out and they were talking about it on Good Morning America, I think they called it Archetypes. Let me look it up. Because um, <laughs> you know you are known for butchering things. It's A-R-C-H-E types. Right. So I pronounce that Archetypes. And you pronounce it how? I thought they said it was Archetypes archetypes that's not even a word how does she <laughs> look how does she say it on her own show well archetypes is a thing yeah archetypes i don't know what that is <laughs> anyway carry on <laughs> what you're gonna do is 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 cute we're gonna give it to go Megan. listen to it and see how megan pronounces it and we'll go with that and if i butchered it i apologize to the duchess <laughs> please do <laughs> okay are your kids back in school yet because God likes for me to have nice things. So yes. It's so soon. It's so soon. Why are we doing this? This is like torture. They shouldn't go back until after Labor Day, in my opinion. So last year, they didn't go back until after Labor Day. I think the year before, like whatever. And then this year, they got out really late. They got out like June 23rd. And then they said, August 29th, your kids are back in the schoolhouse. Um, I don't hate it. <laughs> I mean, I would want them for after Labor Day because they're getting Monday off anyway. So it's like, why not wait until next week? Like that could have been perfectly fine. I don't know. 
but they also got out late because I think we had like one or two school, uh, snow days. So yada, yada, yada. The children are back in the schoolhouse. Um, masks be damned. So our county was like, y'all keeping the masks on. First they were like, it's optional. Then they were like, <laughs> some variants and things, keeping them off. They just uh, put out an announcement that starting September 6th, it will be mask optional again. The little rewards, I told them they're keeping them things on their feet. But we shall see. <laughs> I know you Nina know, wants to, Grace probably will not. It'll be hard to do with the peer pressure because I imagine yes. that some of their friends won't be wearing them. And and if the, it's just the mask is either all, everybody or nothing. Because yeah. let's face it, if half the class aren't wearing them, then we've already, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, literally, literally that, literally that. Um, but they have been back at school a few days and so far so good they're liking it the son is is enjoying it um the girl child (laughs) she's kind of like not so much but every time school starts again like I get all nostalgic because I think about my first days of school and being really hyped and ironing my clothes the night before real crispy and getting my fun trapper keepers and my lisa frank folders like just what a time you know this is my this is my no this is actually my annual reminder to text my mom an apology and to just apologize for having her buy all that bullshit that was completely (laughs) worthless and a complete waste of money so mom, I'm going to be sending you a text to apologize for all the money I made you spend on trapper keepers, designer jeans, <laughs> pens and pencils, brand new colors because I couldn't color with the old colors. Like it's just, it's all a waste of money. <laughs> because what you cannot do is come into school with the same crayons that you used last year. Oh no, ma'am. But I'm I'm actually surprised to hear this from you because I I, I would have never thought that you were the type of mom that would be going out to the Target or wherever and spending your hard-earned coin on your kids just to have a brand new color. Like, Crayola, you're going to color with this until it falls to pieces. <laughs> we're not giving Crayola more money. <laughs> I love it. So this was the first year. So usually I go and do all their school supply shopping and then I come home with the stuff and I'm like, here, you take what you get and don't get upset. So this was the first year that I was like, they might want to be involved. So I printed out their school supply list and we went to the Target and like they picked out all their stuff. Noah's things were very basic because that's his nature. Grace one is sparkly. <laughs> she wanted the pencil case that was like all sequenced. <laughs> like she wanted all of that. Um, but they did it this year and it was really, they were very excited. So I love, I love these things. Love, you do the clothes love, love. as well? Yes. You know what? We did clothes pretty light this year because we bought a lot of, I probably will buy clothes for them again later in the fall as the season change, because we happen to buy a lot of clothes this summer. Um, cause they just kept growing. <laughs> Grace has grown like four inches since March alone. So we bought a lot of clothes this summer. So I'm like, y'all can wear that till the seasons change for real, for real. And then we'll do like fall shopping. But we did get new shoes. They did get okay. new, new sneakers. All Very right. Cute. Well, happy school year, everyone. Enjoy that. <laughs> Speaking of school, on August 24th, the White House announced the Biden-Harris Student Debt Relief Plan. Some cheered, some wanted more, and some were downright pissed. And some of us are still confused. So... Let's talk about this here debt relief. I 
just, you know what? I'm going to, as I tell my kids, I'm going to take what I get and I don't get upset. And we are going in this section, kind of talk about what it is, break it down, what needs to happen, all of the things. But in a nutshell, Uncle Jojo and Cousin Kamala were like, here, y'all. We said on the campaign trails, we're going to do a little something for the low and middle class folks on this year's student loan debt. So I was hoping, expecting, praying, lighting a candle that they would just wipe it all clean. Since especially since the student loans have been in this emergency forbearance for a minute. And part of me was like, if I haven't had to pay these student loans all this time, like the rest of America, y'all don't really need this money back. <laughs> You're clearly not looking for it the way that we thought. Anywho, that's not what happened. They released the plan. The Republicans were big, big mad. Did you see um, the White House Twitter with all of the rebuttals when the Republicans were tweeting about, you know, how this is just going to put us more in debt and yada, yada, yada. And they were just literally showing the receipts of everybody's PPP loans that were forgiven. Did you see these? I did. And um, that was a level of aggressiveness and petty that we normally don't get from this White House. And so, as you know, I've lived, I, I live in petty. And so I was, I was here for it um, because I like calling out the hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Now, um, this might sound surprising to you, Bianca, and to some of the wonders, but I did not think that this was a good policy or good politics. Um, I've come around on it somewhat, and I'll detail in this segment about why I think it's not good policy and politics. I can share, I'm on a group chat with some friends. One of those friends is Evan, who's been on the show before. And he was just dragging me and telling me about how, you know, this this doesn't even address equality, but it's at least a start. And how dare I not be in favor of this? And da 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 He feels very strongly that we should be addressing um, student debt and particularly for Black and Brown communities. So Evan, I know you're listening. Um, shout out to you for trying to gather me on this. And I'm still not sure, Bianca, if this is good policy and good politics. So there, I said it. Meaning the meaning the debt relief or putting the business out on the Twitter. So let's let's the business on Twitter. No, that was that was perfect. That was perfect. I'm talking about the the policy itself. So on the policy side, here's the thing: these are folks who willingly took out loans on their own accord. And so all the government is saying is that we're asking to pay it back. Now, I think a loan deferment is good. I think capping the amount that they can take out of your check each each pay period is good. But wiping out debt that people electively took on, I'm not in favor of. As a policy, I'm not in favor of that. Because, you know, where does that end? So people take out loans for their homes. People take out loans for their automobiles. People take out loans for all sorts of things. Really, why is the government responsible for paying your bills? That's what this feels like to me. That's the policy side of it. Here's the politics side of it. Mm-hmm. These poor white people are, they are mad. They are, they are red hot mad. And what they're saying is that, oh, so these people took out these loans and the government's just going to pay it back. So they immediately go to, what about me? Ain't nobody paying my my trailer bills that I'm living in, I don't have a, a trailer to piss in a pot for, a, a, you know, the, the saying. So they're like, it's, it all comes back to, oh, so now it's a giveaway for certain groups and not for me. And that's the politics side of it, where Uncle Jojo and Cousin Kamala are going to have to point out all the ways that this is not just a cutout for certain people, but how we bailed out other mm. folks. And you've already name checked the PPP loans. And that's just one example. There are several. Jesus. 
But I guess the point I'm trying to make, Bianca, is that we're going to have to deal with the Republicans with, I think, an argument that's going to resonate with some people that why is the government doing this and it doesn't impact all people in the same way that a tax credit, for example, would, in, would impact all people. And so another way to give this sort of relief is not to make it about student loans, but just to make it a tax credit or tax relief for everyone in the bracket. And that would be, they argue, and I'm not saying I believe this, they argue that that's a fairer way of doing the debt relief. I think it's just interesting because for decades now, we have push, 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 college, college, college. You can't even get jobs. People are now like an associate's as a high school diploma and you can't get anywhere without degrees and folks are not even looking at job applications without. So then the question, and then also college, the cost of college is astronomical. When I think about in not even not even 10 years, <laughs> um, less than um, eight years when when Noah's ready to go. I don't even I can't even fathom what it's going to be. And one of the articles I sent over, the Pell Grant amount hasn't even changed. It's about six thousand dollars when the average cost for college for undergrad is twenty four thousand dollars. So that's a spit in the bucket. So the reality is, unless you have a family or you have the means to pay for your children to go to college, which a lot of the reality is the people who are benefiting from this relief had to take out loans to even get to college. And, and we already know, because when you sign them loan papers, they tell you, you have to pay it back, whether you finish the degree, whether you have the employment, <laughs> like the the job that you were trying to get, whether you can pay it back or not, it it is that. And so how do we continue to discuss or encourage college if there is, because not everybody's going to get a scholarship, not everybody's going to get a full ride, not everybody's going to have parents who put aside, and this is somebody who did not, <laughs> um, parents that put aside money for college, et cetera. So either one, college becomes more affordable, or two, there has to be Pell Grant increases something. There has to be something. I want to come back to the Pell Grants and how they specifically are targeting uh, minority communities with, with that relief. I want to ask you a, a devil's advocate question. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the poor folks who took out the loans and who took years to pay them back on their own accord and they paid it back. And do they have any legitimate resentment with this new policy? So I've been seeing a lot of that. I've been seeing a lot of that too. And the argument has been, um, or I've seen like a lot of memes and stuff that's like, just because I'm full and fed doesn't mean that other people shouldn't eat, right? Like just because somebody said, I saw a picture, hold on, of Jesus with the loaves and fishes. And the, um, I can't even remember what it said. I'm gonna find it and post it. But people were saying, so Jesus shouldn't have fed the multitudes, the loaves and fishes, just because a few people brought their lunch. I don't want to discredit your response because I think it's a fair response. But if I'm being honest with you, Bianca, it's non-responsive to the question that I asked you, which is there were there are poor people who sucked it up, who made the sacrifice, who were giving the government way more out of each check than they really should have, and they paid it back. And there is nothing, there is zero zilch, nothing in this policy for them. And what I'm saying to you is that we all pay taxes, okay? Mm -hmm. And so the money that they're using for this relief is coming out of tax dollars. And so there are people who took out the loans, who paid them back, who get nothing here. 
And then there are people who are getting relief here under the same circumstance. And I can't argue that that is a fair policy because what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And what I'm saying to you is that this would be more palatable to me as a policy if we figured out some way to give some money back to those people who sacrificed and struggled every, every month to make the payments. What about them? They deserve some relief too. Put some money back in their fucking pockets. And so my opposition to this is because I didn't think that it would, I still don't think it's fair. And I think that, as I've already said, I think that it's a bad policy in general. And I think the politics of it are horrible because here's the thing. My friends keep saying that this was a campaign promise. We need the millennials. We need people of color to come out and vote. That is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. We also need, you know, these suburban white folks in the swing districts to come out and vote. And these are the folks who are going to be resenting the fact that, oh, I paid my back and what about me? <laughs> and, and Bianca, before 2016, I would have been like, oh, they'll be fine. They'll come around. No, they're not going to be fine. They're not going to come around. These people can hold resentment like nothing you've ever seen. And they will punish Joe Biden if they feel like the Black folks are getting something that they're not getting. I keep it 100 on this podcast. I think we have always paid for things that we have not benef benefited from. When we talk about bailouts and PPP loan forgiveness and all of that stuff, taxes, our money is going to things we are not benefiting from anyway. So why not? I don't know. I'm calling it the reparations package. <laughs> but I do, I do want to go to the Pale Grant side of this, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping around go in the segments you have laid out. Uh -huh. So they're giving twice as much relief. I think the Pell Grant's relief is up to 20000 mm -hmm. Bianca, I know you know this, but a lot of the wanders may not know that Pell Grant's disproportionately are given to mm -hmm. communities of color. And so I do appreciate that the administration found a way within this policy to Target's a bad word, but to make sure that mm -hmm. communities of color got twice as much relief as, as other communities because Pell Grants disproportionately impact them. So I love that. And my favorite part of this, if I have to pick a favorite part, is actually not the caps on the debt relief. It's the caps on the amount that can be taken out of your check. Mm -hmm. So I believe, Bianca, that they're capping it at 5%. Five. 5%. It used to be 10%. That's the game changer, in yeah. my opinion. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. It is because there is a difference between 5% and 10% for sure. Um, and yes, Pell Grants are specifically often Black and Brown, low income, et cetera. Again, though, as um, I'm trying to think of which article it is. Anywho, there was a... Um, a chart that just kind of showed that Pell Grant amount hasn't changed. And so we are not, even so, just not accounting for the fact that college is so expensive. So what do we, so then I guess the question is, at the end of the day, what do we do? So how do I like, okay, husband and I have the means, we can be putting things away for the kids, yada, 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 planning ahead for that. And not everybody has that. So what do we what do we tell kids? You know what I mean? When it's time for our kids to go to college and it's ridiculous amount of money, what do we tell them? You should add a look. So I think um, I had, I saw an interesting interview with Congressman Tim Ryan. He's from Ohio. He's a Democrat. He's in the house, but he's running for the open Senate seat in Ohio. Uncle Jojo is going to Ohio. I think in the next coming days, he's going to be with him. However, 
Tim Ryan, the congressman, he's against this new policy. And so he's been on TV this week kind of explaining why he's against it, even though he's obviously for Joe Biden and is campaigning with Joe Biden. What, one of the things he argued, Bianca, is he's arguing that we have centered the idea that everyone needs to go to college. He right. says that we need to decenter that. Mm -hmm. He says we need to get back to, to a place where um, letting people know that you can go to trade school, that you can do mm -hmm. something else, that a college education isn't something you necessarily have to have in America. Mm -hmm. And I think he pointed out, or someone pointed out, I saw online, if you're a plumber and you, you have that, that trade, you can make more money than a lot of people with these advanced degrees. Yes. yes. So it's recentering what it means to be successful and to have a skill mm -hmm. that is that is profitable. And so plumbers don't have a whole lot of debt. <laughs> this is true. From their trade school and they can make yes. plenty of money. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No. Yes. And yes, I am hands down all for the trade schools without a doubt. However, comma, <laughs> um, unless we, unless we also decenter, that was the word you used, the demand for a college degree in the general workplace, like when you go on the indies or the job, you know, even when we, well, we do, the, our job postings are different um, now, but because now we're asking for ex more, we're putting more weight on experience versus the degrees, et cetera. But a lot of industries aren't. So yes, definitely offer trade schools and encouraging that. Um, but if my kid is like, I want to be an elementary school teacher they're going to need <laughs> they're going to need college or they're going like it's it's there are definitely other options however still the point is if they want to go to college or if the degree that the the job that they're seeking the career that they're seeking in the future requires a college degree it's that's still that's still a lot of money can we at least make community college free um, that way we are trying to figure out money for the last two years of college versus all four years, because it's, ex the reality is it's expensive. So here's the thing. And I always bring up politics. This goes back to what will the conservatives agree with us on to do? So an important part of this, Bianca, is that the administration is doing this with their executive authority, meaning that it's not a bill that was passed. And as you know, some of the Republicans are already saying that the president didn't have the ability to do this. They're going to sue him in court because he's spending money without getting Congress's approval, you know, all of that bullshit. And so in order to have free community college, we would have to have the Republicans agree to that. And it goes back to, in order to create systemic change, we have to pass bills through the Congress. And so either we get majorities in both chambers that it, the Republicans, it doesn't matter what they think, or we get them to go along with some of these middle of the road ideas, because as you know, right now, they're saying no to everything. And we're not going to get free college unless we pass a law. It is my hope that in the next in eight years when I have to send uh, Noah to college, that's something free for my baby. Something. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> a run so I just wanted to give a quick, uh, a quick and dirty rundown for those who don't know, um, just a little bit about this debt relief. Um, I got this all from studentaid.gov. So that is definitely a great um, place to get the information. So first and foremost, 
December 31st is the final <laughs> student loan freeze because, you know, it's supposed to end August 31st, but the debt relief situation is happening. So they said, okay, y'all, after December 31st, you don't have to pay back something, get ready. Um, i.e. me I gotta figure out and how to get ready um, in terms of the relief as we've already mentioned you are the income the annual income cap is 125,000 for individuals or 250,000 for married couples or heads of households so if you're making a whole lot of coin this 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 probably ain't for you because um, you can pay because you could use some of that coin to pay it back yourself let's let's center this on the people who really need it Bianca moving on <laughs> If you received a Pell Grant, as we have mentioned, um, and meet the income threshold, so under $125,000, you will be eligible for up to $20,000. If you did not receive a Pell Grant, so went to college, however you went, didn't need that Pell money, um, but don't make $125,000, you are up to, you are eligible for up to $10,000 in um, debt cancellation. This is where I was like, oh, I don't know why I missed that part. The relief amount is capped at the amount of your outstanding debt. So if you owe, if you're eligible for twenty thousand and you only owe ten thousand, they're only covering that ten thousand. You are not gonna get that refund. I wanted a little cute. <laughs> you're not getting no check. No, no, no. This is not, we're not giving out stimulus here. We're only where we are eliminating debt. So if you only owe five thousand, don't expect any money from the government. I wanted a little stimulus. I want a little something on it. That would have been cute. So what, what do you need to do next steps? Because that was one of the questions that, that I have. So if the Department of Education already has your, um, if you're kind of already in the system, they have your tax information, et cetera, it might already, they might automatically do it. If they do not, so if your income, like your taxes haven't been updated, et cetera, or just, I don't know, you were hiding from Department of Ed and they can't find you and they know where you are, but they got that social security number, so they are going to find you. There is a simple application that is coming out in October. Um, if you go to the student aid website, they have like alerts and updates that you can sign up for so that you can get the information in your inbox. You want to fill it out before November 15th with your updated information, et cetera. Um, and then they say it takes about four to six weeks, um, four to six weeks to process. Well, again, they may already have your information. There's nothing you really have to do, but still just double check. Or if they don't and you need to update the things, you'll fill out the form that's coming out in October by November 15th. A few of those things I didn't know. So I was like, let me go on here and, and double check. And as Isaiah mentioned, in terms of what's going to happen for future borrowers, um, 5% is the cap <laughs> now on the um, income-driven repayment, which used to be 10%, which is excellence. I want to know more about their forgiving loan balances after 10 years of payment instead of 20 years, because that, that makes a difference because I know some folks that have had loans for a long time and they're also covering Bauer's unpaid monthly interest. So one of the things that has, that really got me, um, was, 
child my student loan story is is horrible but it's just Bianca being young and just signing promissory notes and getting refund checks and signing promissory notes again I actually thought you had already paid them all off if I'm being honest I don't know where I got that from I don't know either because I just did not plenty of deferments plenty of forbearances just I mean ugh, the the cautionary tales and the stories that I can tell um because also I think, which is, was part of Navient's um, lawsuit, <laughs> was that they were like, just putting people in deferment, encouraging forbearance all willy nilly and people were doing it and not really, yeah, it was just a mess. So there's a, there was a large class action lawsuit and then they send you a small check for like $150. Yeah, well, I think I've said on this show before, the entire system mm-hmm. that we have around credit borrowing and money mm-hmm. in this country is racist and built on white supremacist culture ideals. And I, maybe I didn't say it here, but I will say it now. I remember when I was in college and I had no money, mm. no money, no job, no way to pay anything back. The credit card companies, Bianca, were sending me all these credit cards in the mail. Yes. They were like, here, you want a credit card? You want a credit card? And yes. I was like, but I don't have any money. They were like, oh, it doesn't matter. Take this credit card. And Give I us was, that social security when, number. When you're 18 years old, you're like, oh, sure, I'll take a credit card. <laughs> of course, they didn't care that I couldn't pay it back. That wasn't even there. They weren't even concerned with that. They wanted me to be indebted to them for years and years and years after the fact, because that's how they make money. If you actually pay it off each month, they don't make any money. Yes. Now, I yes. know this now. <laughs> But at 18, I didn't have any idea. I was like, oh, I'll take a credit card. They, and they do this with poor people, with people of color, with people they know don't have the resources. And when I say, when I say that it's based on white supremacists, that's what I'm talking about. Because they, they specifically target people that they know don't have the ability to pay it back. That's not even their goal. Their goal is to make you indebted to them. And that's some bullshit. It is like, I will never forget. You see them, um, the credit card companies set up their little tables on campus and giving out the free t-shirt. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I want a water bottle. Take my soul. That's some, That's the kind of stuff we need to like root out, call out and reset because that's, that's the slippery slope. So I'm already in college on a loan. I'm taking out these credit cards that, are, that they know mm-hmm. I can't afford mm-hmm. to pay back. And before I'm even done with college, I got loans on both ends that I have no way to pay for, or I'm going to school and I'm working because I'm trying, because I've already got bills to pay before I even get into the world. This, that shit should be illegal. (laughs) And then it is all a set, like it is just a, it is a setup from early because again, we know how much your, literally your life is dependent on that FICO score. And so if you are ruining it coming out the gate, when you are older and, you know, have a job, but the FICO score is still trash. <laughs> so then you, you can't look at home ownership or buy, you know, it's just but Here's the thing. What 18 year old is walking around thinking about their FICO score? None. You <laughs> You're only concerned with where you buying your next bottle of vodka. And they know this. <laughs> Great goose for everyone. <laughs> they know this. So it's like, it's all, it's all a huge trap. And when we talk about communities, that are coming from a space where financial stability and like prosperity is not centered, Mm -hmm. then it just, it's like a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. And that's the part of this that that is the most disgusting to me. Mm -hmm. And when we think about things like 
how long are we going to defer the payments or what the cap's going to be? To me, it all feeds into, it's that same vicious cycle to me. Mm-hmm. I think that education should be free of charge. There should mm. be no cost to that education. Part. That's my view. Call me a socialist, call me whatever. I don't give a fuck. Education should be free. So to me, Bianca, the fact that we're like, um, jooking and, 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 and playing with these numbers and talking about what we're willing to give and not give fuck all of that. It should be free off the top. You're an American citizen. Your education should be free. And I think your healthcare should be free too. I said both of them. We have enough money. We have enough money to figure it out. The problem is that we're not invested in people. We're Mm. invested in profits. That's the problem here. And if we were really invested in people, this entire conversation would be different. Can you imagine free healthcare and free education? What a different quality of life. It would transform your life completely. It would transform your life completely. Those are the two things Mm. that bankrupt people, that send people into poverty. Those are the two things Mm -hmm. that keep you from being your full self. If -hmm. you didn't have to worry about healthcare costs or education costs, it resets everything. 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 Before we wrap up, I do want to plug dope labs which we've talked about on the show before you know i love them so in their first season lab number seven they had an episode called show me the money and it was all about the student loan crisis um and it was great it made a lot of the points that we've already been talking about here in terms of um predatory lending because that's what it is (laughs) um especially in black and brown communities um and it was really great I love dope labs anyway but they just break it down really really well so if you are curious to how we got here check out dope labs episode seven show me the money I'll definitely make sure that we post that because that's what you 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 gotta know but in the meantime I'm gonna go fill out this here paperwork so I can get my couple two three dollars The Cassville School District in Missouri made headlines this month with their decision to reinstate spankings in schools, which immediately brought out the I wish a bitch would out of me. We discussed. Bianca. I wish a bitch would. In other words, wish a bitch would put their hands on your baby. I wish a bitch would. Well, to to be fair to the school district, they do, they're only doing it with parents' permission. They do have an opt-out. They they had they said we gonna send you an opt-out form so if they're laying hands they're laying hands with the parents approval but it's still fucked up they are sending an opt-out form like when they send out the opt-out form for sex ed they're like you don't want your children to learn about penis and vagina okay sign this and bring it back so um and it was actually you who sent me this i had been under a rock So this Missouri school district literally did that. They reinstated uh, spankings in in school as a form of discipline for their students if their parent agrees. Despite warnings from many public health experts that that the practice is detrimental to students, they were like, we don't care. We're bringing this back. Um, so I, so then I started to do some digging. Well, one, it, it was, I feel like it was a little bit of a trigger for me. The one and only time that I can recall corporal punishment in school was I was a young tot in St. Louis. We used to live in St. Louis and I went to, I don't know, it was like a, it wasn't a Catholic school, maybe a Christian daycare. I don't know, something with religion in the background. And I don't remember what I did. I will never forget having to put my hands out and the teacher slapping me with a ruler on the palms of my hands. Um, I can see it. I can feel it. 
Um, and I was young because at this time I was, might've been four, three or four years old because we had moved to Chicago by the time I was five. So, and then I was like, damn, well, one Missouri, damn, they're still doing this. And then also, it also just got me doing some digging just around corporal punishment in school in schools anyway and there's still 19 states that actually allow this I thought Missouri was just doing something I thought this school district was doing something ridiculous and out the box and it's not a surprise to me that that most of them are in the south because that's what you would expect I mean of those 19 most are in the south now Bianca I'm going to ask you a question I don't know if you know the answer to this in Missouri this is up to what age what age are we talking about here so their school district so one thing to note is that their school district I don't know if they even put let me take a look an age on it um one the school district is small right it's only 1900 students it's only four schools in this in this district two elementary schools a middle school and a high school I don't know if they say if there's anything specific about the the up to what age um but just based on this just based on the makeup of the school district it's very small and I believe it's like 87 percent white yeah so those are the two things I was going to say so Mm -hmm. um I think there's a difference in a lot of different ways between high school students getting spanked and Mm. and children who are in elementary school and for some some for a lot of different ways and we can get into that I also think it's very telling that this is a mostly white environment that we're talking about because I do think Bianca it would be different if it was a mostly black district or if it was more integrated if it's more than 80 percent white then in my mind that's basically a white district it is um and so that's a that's there's so many dynamics that come into play when you have um a, a white woman for example hitting a black child or black boy in particular like so 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 the dynamics shift considerably if it's more diverse but when it's less diverse you don't have to deal with those kind of nuances the kind of the cultural things that kind of crop up and then i'm just gonna say you know as you get older uh people kind of internalize things differently and so what might be viewed as punishment by some would not be viewed as punishment by others. And I think in the example that you share, I think the humiliation may have been what they were going for. So a lot of these, a lot of the incentive to this is not to inflict pain per se, it's the embarrassment, it's the shaming, oh, it's the so-and-so got spanked in front of the class. And it, I think that I'm, a, I'm opposed to this on, on all levels, but I think if I'm trying to understand it from their perspective, I think that public shaming is what they're trying to get at to correct the behavior. Now you tell me, because I think that this is all barbaric, but if I was trying to explain it away, that would seem to be the plausible explanation. I think, yes, in terms of the the embarrassment, but that's not, that's not a, and, and we have a quote here that we'll, that we'll get to in a second, just in terms of how um, corporal punishment doesn't work. Um, but on the race piece, so the, um, the link about the corporal punishment, so it says that black students are physically, so this is, again, this is not 
Cassville school district. This is um, corporal punishment and these, these schools were large. Black students are physically punished at higher rates than whites or Hispanics. In contrast, Hispanic students are less likely than white students to receive corporal punishment. One study found that African-American students were more likely than either white or Hispanic students to be physically punished by 2.5 times and 6.5 times respectively. Um, one says, another study shows that Black children in Alabama and Mississippi were over five times more likely to be disciplined with corporal punishment than their white counterparts. In other states, in other southeastern states, Florida, Arkansas, Georgia, Louisiana, and Tennessee, Black children were more than three times more likely to receive corporal punishment than white children. So the reality is it's, it's, it's our children. Yeah, and this is this is not surprising to me because right. this is just another example of the unequal application of like consequences. Mm -hmm. And we see this with like court systems, with mm -hmm. like people going to jail for these petty crimes. Like we could do a whole show about how white people do drugs every day, all day on every street corner and they're they're never picked up. But Latino and black people for even the smallest amounts of marijuana are like charged. So we see this over and over and over in society. And so again, we go back to who's quote unquote misbehaving in the schools and it's always, oh my God, the blacks can't control themselves. And little Susie, she's so nice. Whip her ass too. <laughs> They're we all haven't. <laughs> little Susie hasn't made an appearance in a minute. <laughs> but let me tell you, I wanna make a comment here that some people may find offensive. So if you find some of the things I find offensive, you can just come back in two minutes. When I was in high school, Bianca, there is nothing I would have wanted more than for one of those coaches. I've already talked about how much I was lusting after my coaches in high school. There is nothing I would have wanted more than for one of those coaches to spank me in front of whomever. And so when I say, when I say some students internalize it differently, I can guarantee you I would not have minded in the slightest to be spanked by one of my male teachers in high school. So I point this out to say, that that for some people, as you get older, you start to sexualize some of these things. Body contact is body contact. And so be careful, be careful, careful, careful. I cannot stand you. And I did not know that that's where we were going. That's why you went to that. Welcome back to those now. of you who checked out. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm saying that's an unintended consequence yeah. of this. Because again, I'm going to just say it for the second time body contact for some people just lands differently. And so a spanking is not necessary, particularly if it's not hurting you, then what the hell? Like there's, I mean, that's not a hard concept. We're going to do orgasmic October in just a few weeks, but the concept of spanking, I think anyone can understand once you're a sexual person and mm. most high school students are, once you're a sexual person, once you've had your debut, a spanking is not punishment necessarily. <laughs> it's, it then becomes, Hey teacher. Which, that part, which that part, then leads to all kinds of other troubles and legal issues. But hey, that's that's why you shouldn't do it. Keep your hands to yourself. Like this is just a horrible idea. Anyway. And I think what I want to get to, Bianca, is is why we think that violence on mm -hmm. children is in any way ever okay. Mm -hmm. I am a hard no on this, and I will go so far as to say, not only should we not be spanking children in schools. I don't think that parents should be touching their children at home either. And I'll say it again. I don't care if you're their mama or their daddy. I don't care if they came out of your womb. Keep your fucking hands to yourself. Stop being violent with your children and re-examine why you feel the need to strike your child to get your point across. Now, 
let me give you the caveat. I have absolutely, I have zero children, none, zilch, zero. So I'm going to say it's very easy for me to sit here on this podcast behind this mic and talk about how spanking children is a, is a horrible thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to own that. I'm also going to say that as someone who was spanked until I was into double digits in age mm-hmm. and how pointless it was and how I would just look at my mom and be like, girl, what is this? <laughs> like, I'm just asking you all to, to reconsider. That's what I'm asking. Um, yes. So, okay. So a few things to, to back up what you're saying, there's this quote here from, um, the NPR article we had, but Mitch Princeton, um, chief science officer with the American Psychological Association says decades of research shows corporal punishment will not reduce inappropriate behavior and is likely to increase aggression, rage, hostility, and could lead to depression and self-esteem issues period. So let me, let me also say this. <clears throat> I am a reformed spanker and I could probably count on one hand, maybe two, cause Noah, <laughs> the amount of times. Um, and when I look, when I look back on it and I did differently, I did differently with grace. Um, when I look back on it, I wish I never, never, ever, ever spanked him. I wish I never did. It was, it's interesting when I think about it because it was almost like reflex. Like, it's like, oh, it's what we did. I was spanked. I'm sure my mother was spanked. Just, just generational curses, just passing them down to my own children. It didn't solve problems. It, it just, in a lot of ways, made things worse in ways that I didn't realize until later when I started doing some more, um, reading Oprah's book I think it was what happened to you but she had uh, put out a book maybe about two years ago with um, a psychologist I think just all about trauma right and and the way your brain develops as a young child and how because she talks about there's a lot of reference to spanking um, and how that impacts the brain as a young child because it's still developing and when I think about yeah, just all of that in my own children, there is definitely um, a lot of guilt, which I never had. And again, it wasn't, no, kids weren't, no one getting a whole lot of spankings. But when he did, I wish I could take them back. I know I was getting them <laughs> as a kid and my brother. And and I think it was what my mother, I think it's what my parents knew or what my mother knew specifically. And I remember, and I think I mentioned this to you, uh, Cliff and I went to um, this married couples workshop retreat um, under some real Christian organization, which it's the church and the sparing the rod spoil and the child shit is trash, throw it away. Trash. But there was, I will never forget, there was specifically um, a session for parents and one of the pastors, a Black woman, talked about, um, she even uh, alluded to, she was like, you know, all that cushion that's on your butt, that's made for spanking. That's where the spanking goes. Fuck you. And really (laughs) talking about it. And I was like, wow, like this is, and that was before I had kids and I couldn't believe she was saying it and, um, and just all of that support around it. So then for me to turn around and do it to my own, when I think back on it, I'm like, girl, what were you thinking? It's, it's, so for me, it is a, it is a really complicated issue because as I've shared on the show before, I witnessed, I was a witness to my mother being physically abused and assaulted by her, 
her husband, uh, my stepfather. And then she was being violent towards me in these spankings. And I call them violence. And I've even said this to her recently. We'll come back to that. And so Bianca, it took me a long time to untangle what I considered this violence, this violent environment that we were all living in. My mother at the hands of her husband, me at the hands of both of them. And I just, even as a child, I was thinking, there's gotta be a better way. Like, like, like just why? There just seems to be so much Violence is the only word to describe it, Bianca. And I don't understand why we're doing this to one another. Like it just, I could not untangle it. It took me years to kind of come to terms with that and to come to terms with how through generations, people just kind of do what their parents did and they just pass it down and pass it down and pass it down. My mom was spanked, her mom was spanked, her mom was spanked. And so they we just continue it because we, the, the, the thought process is, well, this is what works. Everyone, my, everyone did it. So let's keep doing it. And to your point, there's never an examination of maybe we need to stop this. Oddly enough, uh, I only got one spanking in my entire life from my father and he didn't even really want to do it. I felt like he was peer pressured into it by his siblings. So on my dad's side, they were less violent, considerably less violent than my mother's side. I think not, well, not think 99% of the spankings I got was from my mother and my dad spanked me just once. And I only remember because it, it was only once. And in that time I did something crazy. Like I think I had called 911 and filed a fake report and, and his siblings, <laughs> my aunts were so upset. They're like, oh my God, he can't believe he did that. You should spank kids back for that. And my dad was like, okay. <laughs> he was You're like, about to bring these police to our home. <laughs> his heart was not in it at all. But I felt he, I think he felt cornered because like, he was the only person that could do it because he was my dad. And so it was literally the only time he's never laid a hand on me since. And I think, I don't think my father really believes in that, mm -hmm. but I think my mother was totally different. Like she was like always being violent because she's, you know, whatever. And she gets so mad because now we're <laughs> fully adults and we're friends. And I'm like, mom, you remember how violent you were with me when I was growing up? She's like, don't say that to me. I'm like, nope, you were. <laughs> you were a violent oh, woman. Let's so talk so about how we can make you less violent. <laughs> When you know better, you do better. I don't care if she mad. She don't, because now she doesn't hit me. So I'm like, I'm going to call you whatever I want because see the dynamics changed. And uh, you should have been considering that one day I might confront you with what you've done. All I'm doing, Deborah, all I'm doing is holding up the mirror to your actions. And if you believe in your actions, then you should have no problem defending them. Mm. But she has a hard time defending them, which in my view proves that I was correct. <laughs> There's nothing we love more than to be correct when it comes to our parents. Uh, similarly, I can't think of a time, maybe once that Cliff gave a spanking. I don't know. Like discipline was always just my thing anyway. Spanking or not, like whatever it looked like. Generational curses. So this, so one thing I will say, parenting as we know it has evolved. And when I look at my circle of friends who our parents, we have a lot of conversations about how we are intentionally doing things differently than how we are raised. We are talking to our kids differently. We are apologizing to our children. We are asking for their input and opinion. We are giving them choice. We are um, honoring their voice, encouraging them to share their feelings, talking about what feelings are, having conversations with our kids about consent. No, you don't have to hug every auntie and uncle. No, you don't have to. No. Um, which is so different than, than how we were raised. So 
And with that being said, though, I which which is great. Um, sometimes I feel like my mom is like, "You in that new school shit?" <laughs> just. <laughs> I was literally just about to ask you if Doreen wanted to spank them or if she did. What would your reaction be to that? So so recently, um, recently she said something to to one of the kids and was like, "If you do it again, I'm going to spank you." And I always looked at her like. That's so big for that. And who are you? These and are my she, children, right? And she, she never, she never has. Um, she never has. But also, I'm really protective when it comes to my mother. So when my kids get out of line with with my mother, I am going to remind them that that's my mama. You are not going to be disrespectful. <laughs> Right. I'm not going to spank them. Like, but like we're already, you're already out of line because if she even have to raise her voice to you, then you, you've clearly gone too far. Clearly, because uh, grandparents are different. They're built different and they let kids get away with all kinds of shit. So if you are crossing the boundaries, you're doing too much. Um, but, but no, I think, you know, she has mentioned some things in the past, like just about things that I do that's different or, um, because she sees it like just the way I interact with the kids is different than what she did with me and I'm like I'm I'm trying to to do better not to crap on her parenting <laughs> but I know better you know so um again I think parenting has evolved which also makes me upset about this whole Missouri thing because I'm like why are we going why are we going backwards that is the that is the interesting question because I would love to know the answer to that too. And I haven't in all the readings that I've that I've done on this, I can't figure out the why. Like, what happened? What was the shift that you wanted to take this particular step backwards? Because it seems very retro to me for no apparent reason. Like, were there really teachers in the school? Like, we need to be whipping asses. Like, I can't imagine. <laughs> Where did this come from? Where did it come from? And if it's more um, it comes up in the article as well and in the list of um, states that will or that have banned it or not, this whole conversa- uh, conversation around um, children with disabilities. Well, not only that, Bianca, but permission slip or not, in this day and age, I'm just not putting my hands on someone else's child that because part. I don't want the liability. So so let's just, so let's say I spank little Susie and she got a permission slip saying she can be spanked. And then she goes home with some bruising that I didn't give little Susie, that she picked mm. up between classroom and home. And her mammy is like, what's this? So now I'm going to jail. And I want to see what this, this permission slip says, because do both parents need to agree? Oh, I'm pretty sure it's not. It's, I mean, do both, you know, you've done permission slips. Do you and Cliff sign every permission slip? No, but I'm just saying, can, I would be, I would be curious if, let's say parents in like a joint custody situation, right? And the mother signs a permission slip like, yes, whoop little Susie's ass. Can the father then come back and say, mm, I did not opt in for this. So I then who's so, at fault? Because the school just needs the guardian, whoever the, yeah. there's usually a primary guardian and whoever that's that true. person is, that's, that's who signs it. But it's all bullshit. We shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing this. There's too much liability on the school, on the counselor, on the teacher that's doing this. We shouldn't be humiliating or trying to humiliate children in front of their peers it's just, it's for whatever limited benefit there is, the cons far outweigh the pros Absolutely. in my mind. Absolutely. I, I wish a bitch would. <laughs> As we kicked off the segment, let's, let's go get into some books. 
<laughs> we're moving we're moving on. In this week's Gotta Do, I'm happy to announce the selection for the September Ward and Webster Beauty Shop Book Club. <laughs> you ready, Bianca? So excited. <laughs> so first things first, this is an unusual announcement for this book, but I first want to talk about how I made the selection. So <laughs> you already know, but I'm going to share with the Wanders because why not? I love them. So normally Bianca and I have like a bunch of books that we're dying to read, but we're kind of sandwiched between a good book that we just finished and getting ready for the book that we're really going to pick for next month when we're really going to have y'all hot and bothered. And so you know how Amazon sends you like, we recommend this candle or this razor or this whatever you bought. And so obviously I buy a lot of books. And so they're like, we recommend this. And I never do an Amazon recommends because I'm like, fuck you, get out of my emails. But you don't know time, me. You don't know me, but this time I was like, you know what, let me go back and just look at these books that they've been recommending to me for months and see if I might like one of them. Lo and behold, there was a book <laughs> that they had recommended or whatever. And it's called Boys Come First by Erin Foley. It was actually uh, released this year, 2022, and it is available on Audible. So I knew that Bianca would be into it. So let you me give know you it. <laughs> give you the description. This hilarious, touching debut novel by Aaron Foley, author of How to Live in Detroit Without Being a Jackass. <laughs> we might read that next. It follows three Black gay millennial men looking for love, friendship, and professional success in the Motor City. Suddenly jobless and single after a devastating layoff and a breakup with his cheating ex, advertising copyright Dominique Gibson flees his life in Hell's Kitchen to try to get back on track in, in, in his hometown of Detroit. He's got one objective, exit the shallow dating pool as soon as possible and get married by 35 and the deadline's approaching fast. <laughs> but Bianca, when I, when I read that, I was like, oh, this, this is gonna be silly, good, silly fun because married by 35, why? <laughs> I am nervous, friend. Our last <laughs> gay boy book. That was horrible. <laughs> and that's why they recommended this. Was also giving Black gay millennials. So we shall see. I am, I am hopeful. <laughs> I am cautiously optimistic about this book. So I, the last time we read something similar to this, remember it was so steeped in social media and I was like, what is this? I, I'm, I don't, I feel like you have to live on Instagram to even be able to relate to this book. So I didn't really care for it. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, 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 hoping that this is a, that this gives something different. It's brand new. It was just released in May of this year. It sounds just based on that little description on point. And so, you know, a coming of age tale, three black gay men, you know, let, let's see what it's giving. Um, it's called Boys Come First, <laughs> and it's by Aaron Foley. Now, Boys Come First. Do you remember that old saying, uh, book be books before boys or books because before girls? Because boys bring babies. <laughs> books before boys because boys bring babies. When I read the title, that's what it took me back to. I was like, I wonder if this is a play on that, on that old saying. Because my mom <laughs> used to always say, girl, books before boys. <laughs> And I will say this, um, I'm glad that it's on Audible because this book is 386 pages. So I'm just mentioning that because you always come for me and the length of my books, you know, 386 pages. 
normally I do check the link. I didn't this time because I was so captivated by the description. There's more description okay. here that I didn't even read that I'll put and when onto our social media when we announce the book. It really does sound like it's going to be cute. Um, I think this might be able to redeem that other book that we didn't like. We'll see. We got September's a long month. It's thirty whole days. <laughs> but our our review is the twenty fourth, so it's coming. It's coming quick. You know what? Serena's about to be no longer on the scene. What, what, what else do you have to do besides read a book? Absolutely nothing. It's what you got to do. Are we going to talk about her sparkly ensemble? Okay, well, we'll leave it. Oh, just. I loved it. I'm so happy. Oh, my god. Shifting now to Serena Venus. I'm sorry, Serena Jamika Williams. She looked amazing. I was so happy that she won that first match. Yes. By the time this comes out, she may already be out of the tournament because she has a match tonight. We're recording this on Thursday. Um, but I don't care. She won her first match. She was so happy. I think she was so relieved. So Ugh. go, go Bianca. No, I'm sorry. Go Serena. Go Just, Serena. She was wonderful. Baby looked amazing in her cute little beads. Just so many things that just, just warmed my heart. Um, tell us the name of the title one more time and the author, please. The book is called Boys Come First. The author is Aaron Foley, F-O-L-E-Y, and it was published in May of this year. Pick it up. It's what you got to do. And we will be discussing the book on September 24th. To wrap us up this week, you need to know that if you have some student loan debt, there's a little bit of relief for you. And I want you to have a friend. I don't care who you are. want you to get those things because nobody should be shackled down by the bondage of loans okay in all the fields don't touch my kids <laughs> point blank period not in the schoolhouse not at home I want us to rethink period corporal punishment spanking on all fronts and in gotta do as Isaiah just announced boys come first but do they have to? Can the girls go? Uh, I mean, maybe because it's well, it place. really works best when everyone comes at the same time. But oh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Hey, we're not note. in October yet. <laughs> I cannot wait for October. Somebody just one of I I saw one of our longtime wonders in person over the weekend, and the first thing she asked me is if we were bringing back orgasmic October. Wait, can we back up? You had a gathering with one of the wonders and you didn't invite me. What's up with that? I was, it was, no. I Wait, was, I, I, now, no. Please, now before you lie, <laughs> give it, give it some thought. I'm not, no, I'm not going to lie. I was out of town at uh, my cousin's birthday party and she is a faithful wonder. Hey, Fifi. Oh, a wonder I haven't met. A wonder you haven't met. However, she put her friend on to the show and she listens faithfully. And she asked me if Orgasmic October was coming back. And I was like, oh, okay. Just wait. Yes, we we've already started. Coming. We've already started uh, ruminating Indeed. on how we're, and we have five whole episodes. I think we, we have do? five episodes. Do we? I don't think I so. I think we do. Let me Hold check. On. Let me check Hold on. Let me check. Is it five or four? It has to be five because September is oh so short. Five. Yes. It's a five episode month. Oh my God. Oh. It's going to be jam-packed. Sex, 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 sex. <laughs> oh, y'all get ready. Get your cocktails, your uh, CBD lubricants, <laughs> your furry costumes, your partner or partners. Ooh, oh, get ready, God. child. And also... <laughs> Visit Warden Webster for new episodes every Saturday morning. Warden <laughs> <Warden> Webster. <laughs> <laughs> On that note.
<laughs> we gonna get up on out of here. <laughs> I am always delightful and delicious, Bianca Ward. And I'm Isaiah Webster. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.